Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Greetings. You've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com. And you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. All right, folks, this has been quite a day. But we've got a great, uh, and I'm hearing a little bit of echo here. We have a terrific panel with us today. This is a fun day, more fun than I might have wanted even at the beginning because we had to switch from Jitsi to Hangouts uh, due to some uh, audio and video routing issues. Uh, you can see that this is VUC 524 with Stefan Allen. We're going to be talking WebRTC and uh, Open Open WebRTC and a little bit about Bowser and a little bit about uh, the iOS exciting news. I'm hoping, Stefan, that you will confirm that the OpenWebRTC.io is the best place to find out the information. Would you... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's the starting point. Okay, so we want to make sure of that because that's something that I'll be repeating from time to time. Um, we've got of the some of the usuals with us. We also have uh, Matthew Hodgson from Matrix.org. Welcome again, Matthew. Hi, Randy. Lovely to be here. And, uh, of course, uh, Michael Graves is uh, kind of running things, and he's got an, a very official-looking headset on. And, uh, Robert, you want to introduce yourself, please? Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I'm not. I don't even know your last name. I don't have it in front of me. So it's Swain. Okay, and you are? I'm. I don't know. Maybe Stefan would describe me as the right. developer of OpenWebRTC. There you go. Okay. Sounds fair. And Stefan, um, we know we have um, put the message out that you uh, are with, and I guess Robert too, uh, Ericsson Research. But the main thing is, first question is usually how people got into the technology in the first place. And if you don't mind, this is a personal question, but what brought you to tech and what brought you to the technologies that you're interested in right now, the ones we're using right now? Wow. That's a tough one, huh? I don't know how far back I should go. <laughs> as far as you want. You can go back to when you were 10, if you if, if right. technology. All right. I'm always really interested in WebRTC. Now, uh, I've, um, well, I guess I started, in, got interested in, uh, I think there was some random physics lesson, uh, physics class where I, I uh, we had some kind of uh, radio measurement thingy lab, and then I, uh, I went over with my newly bought mobile phone and, uh, and put that by the test unit, and it got crazy. And then I was interested, oh, this is pretty cool. This, this radio technology is pretty cool. So then I decided that, uh, yeah, I probably want to study 
uh, to work with this in the future. So uh, that that go, I started this at uh, something called Royal Institute Institute of Technology, which is one of the uh, uh, premier schools in, in Sweden for doing uh, well technology and civil engineering. Um, I right off of the, then I basically started looking at uh, signal processing and working working with that at the end of my my uh, uh, well uh, study period. I started at the Ericsson Research or did my master thesis at Ericsson Research at the Multimedia Technology Unit, doing uh, uh, actually stereo extensions to the AMR wideband codec. Uh, so I did the audio uh, audio VoIP. Uh, Basically, the, the low-level core uh, audio processing. Uh, then, after a while, I was working at Ericsson, did various things, and um, in the end, took over a unit, uh, one of the units working on uh, real-time communication and, and communication technology, uh, where I am today now. And then I've been uh, from there on working with with these kind of things, real-time communication, for the last couple of last couple of years, together with some amazing people. Okay, and um, I was talking to Emil Ivav, uh, author of Jitsi, or not author, but uh, the guy at Jitsi, uh, team head, whatever you want to call him, and we were talking yesterday about OpenWebRGC, and I was telling him, you know, WebRGC has a lot of components I don't know, don't understand, uh, and uh, he he explained something to me, but I'm going to let you explain it, which is why there is OpenWebRGC, why we would care even. Right. That there is starting with the fact that uh, Google has an implement implementation of WebRTC, right? Yeah. We're talking on it right now, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. So, what is the point of open? I mean, it's open, of course, but how did that get started, and, and why does it matter? Is the what the question is really? If you allow me to go back a little, uh, a little bit to that, to, to sure. uh, we uh, Ericsson Research started working in this area it was uh, like in 2010 already. Uh, I mean, Ericsson is a company that has been working with communication for. I mean, basically, we built most of the company on 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 the premise of making well, connecting people, and oh, that's Nokia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so I mean, it's it's the, the backbone, the DNA of the company is communication, and then the, basically, uh, there was a movement around the communication, adding real real time communication into the browser. Like in 2010, discussions appearing on, on mail lists. So then I led the small team of of, uh, of hackers, basically uh, re researchers, uh, that um, had the crazy idea of, of basically hacking WebKit in, in on Ubuntu and on the Linux uh, to uh, add the real-time communication into a browser. Basically, as an open question, how would you do that? Um, and this was before the WebRTC sort of standardization or even the WebRTC name was was coined. Uh, so we started hacking with that, and then the, uh, from our sort of closed world, we did something that was very strange as well. We started to, we decided that early on that we should basically blog about what we were doing and sort of trying to uh, well, uh, tell people about it. This was quite quite new for us in <laughs> in research and, and in Ericsson in general. Uh, so uh, that got kind of interesting because we got a lot of sort of interesting feedback, people wanting to try it out themselves and wanted the code, etc. So we eventually published our uh, our browser, uh, our modified uh, Epiphany browser uh, to the world. And that was actually, I think, somewhere around a year before Chrome had the first WebRTC support in, 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 uh, in their browser. 
So we've been at it this as quite a long time actually, and then during that, after a while, the standardization started, and then uh, we were we have been quite involved in that. But our sort of our way to you know work in this area has always been to uh, to do that via implementations and to do be be do a, don't do any sort of just paperwork. We we rather do try it stuff out in code and see what works and what doesn't work and that helps us to sort of feed that knowledge back into the to the WebRTC standardization and better understand the technology. Okay, and we should we could probably repeat at this point that um, for people joining us now that the site to go take a look at all what we're going to be talking about a lot of it anyway is openwebrtc.io, right? Right, that's correct. Always correct me if I say yeah. URL because it's terrible. <laughs> okay. okay. Sorry about that. Where would right. you? No, it's me. I just want to make sure I'm getting the right URL. So right, okay. listen to it. They type the right one. Okay. So then uh, I think I mean how we get started with OpenWebRTC is basically that I mean while working on this or starting up, we sort of quickly understood that that yeah, WebRTC will be a technology that will not just be confined to browsers, and that sort of mobile application specifically. Will be continue to be an important part, and you you won't run everything in in a browser all the time. Uh, so, therefore, we started building a, a framework internally uh, with the purpose of sort of being able to build WebRTC clients for any type of platform, I, iOS, Android, uh, I mean any type of of, of devices. Um, and then I mean we, we we run that and we did it and we have done a number of different internal trials and, and uh, well build different prototypes on top of this and it has matured over the years and then eventually we decided to to uh, it was time to to release it as open source uh, and the re the reason for doing that is basically that I mean all of you are know that Google is uh, has been having having. Uh, Google has this uh, webrtc.org implementation of this of uh, of the webrtc standard, uh, but so everyone up until this point has been using primarily Google's implementation of the webrtc standard, uh, and to some extent, this creates a little bit of a, of, of, a, of a confusion around what is what is the actual standard and what is the implementation. I mean, since there has only been one implementation. Everyone is referring it to as Google's WebRTC, basically, which is true to some extent because they they named the project the same as the the, um, the standards were standards name uh, or the standard that's being defined in WebRTC in uh, the W3C. Uh, so we, I mean, in the end, we don't. It's not a very good thing to only have one implementation of a standard, and in fact, W3C and ITF sort of. Uh, uh, requires that there are interoperable, independent, interoperable implementations of the same standard because before it gets uh, fully rectified as a standard. So, uh, so we thought it was uh, the the community and sort of the standardization uh, require was lacking a, a alternative implementation, and uh, so we decided, yeah, let's let's open source our implementation to provide that. That second implementation of the same standard. How different? How different is your implementation, though? In fact, I mean, and what? Generally, what is the difference? You start from scratch. I don't think so. Probably. No, we did not. Absolutely not. Uh, start from scratch. 
our implementation is very much. Uh, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really share any code with the with the Google implementation. Uh, we decided our implementation is built on top of something called GStreamer, which is a, another fantastic open source project, actually. And um, Robert can talk a little bit more about that later if you want to. He's, he's from that community and has been working with it for quite some time. GStreamer is uh, an, uh, well, an open source multimedia framework that has been used to, to build um, a lot of things. And it's a, a mature project that's been around for, correct me now if I'm wrong, Robert, but something like 15 years or something like that. So yeah, it's, a, right. it's a stable platform and, and it has a vibrant developer community around it. So it's uh, we couldn't be, I mean, I think that's what we usually say that's the sort of the secret source behind the open web RTC is that it's built on top of this um, GStream framework because we get a lot of the we get a lot of the uh, you know the hard, really hard parts like the low level, the real time communication parts. We get that basically for free from GStream, which is uh, allows us to put even more focus on sort of the implementing the, the WebRTC specific things on top. Okay, I'm working the controls here because uh, people are unmuting and making noises and stuff and that, that's stealing the focus. And this is WebRTC, which means real time. And real time means that uh, suddenly a screen flashes up. Matthew, anything to contribute? Um, you look like a likely candidate. <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, unfair. I saw that James was trying to heckle by um, video during um, Stefan's exposition there. Um, it looks as if you were running Bowser or um, some app, although James is now shaking his head in denial. Uh, I have to guess what you're doing, James. I'm not sure whether the icon's going to be coming up on the face. Oh, uh, yes. Sorry, your browser is incompatible. Let me let me put that. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. So what was that? Yeah, I'm wondering which app that is and which browser that is, James. I don't really see anything. Yeah, well, well that's one. actually true. True.co. It's one of it's one of our web apps. Those of you in the Hangout, you will have to click. So yeah, as I was saying on I'll click on the film strip. Yeah. Go ahead, James. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the uh, the, the issue I've had with Bowser is actually finding. Uh, anything else that will actually interwork with it. All right. Tricky. Yeah. I mean, there's always, uh, I mean, there's always some smaller modifications that are needed by the uh, by the developers or most of the time. I mean, most people have been running, targeting uh, Chrome and Firefox, and there are always smaller JavaScript differences between different browsers that that uh, that makes it well, it makes it doesn't work. So yeah, like I'm, sure, I'm sure we could get Bowser to work in some shape or form with our apps, but it just uh, just a bit of an effort, and I can't do it sitting in the car. <laughs> in the car. You should have probably not try it even. I think at, at yeah, least not I know. You're driving. I like living on the edge, living dangerously. You know me. Right. He is. Uh, many people have already heard me say this uh, to uh, Stefan and uh, Robert, but. You know, uh, the the cry is always, ah, WebRTC is great, and no extensions to download. Yeah, you have to download Chrome, basically. Well, depending on what you're using, maybe Firefox. The point being that there are people on the planet who don't use either one. So um, a lot of us are waiting for the day when somehow it just works with whatever you're using. 
Yeah, and I think it, on, on mobile it's even more problematic, I guess, because people are absolutely not used to downloading a separate browser. So then why would you? If, I mean, in all fairness, why would you want to? I mean, you think of the average person. They're not downloading anything. They have a phone, and it's got a browser, and that's it. That's good enough for them. Sure. <laughs> I mean, browser is not really intended to be uh, you know, competing against mobile Safari or Chrome even on iOS. I mean, it's, a, it's more or less a, a sort of a proof of concept where you can we should have, help developers get started quickly and, and sort of provide something on iOS for people who are, I mean, for developers to try out. I think that's the, I mean, uh, what we are keen on driving is not Bowser, really. Uh, it's, we think that the more interesting things are in the, in the framework open web RTC. And Bowser, Bowser is very much a, just a thin layer on top, actually, that just shows, how, shows a little bit how, how you can interact with our APIs, basically. And, and since you're mentioning that, uh, mentioning iOS, um, we know that there, there's things to say about uh, how developers are going to be able to take advantage of H264. And uh, people talk about FaceTime. Frankly, I'm not a fan of FaceTime. I've never used it very rarely. I have a Mac. We're talking on one right now. Uh, we have iPhones in the house. Uh, I have literally never used it. Oh, I think James called me once by accident. He butt-dialed me in FaceTime or something. But I never saw the point of it. But people do say that the quality is superior because of that. So yeah. I think what you were saying in, in an email to me or even on the, the um, community post is that there's a kind of an exciting development in that area. You want to, you want to get into that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the thing is that uh, there is, uh, there's two fundamental things. Either you do uh, video coding in software uh, or you do it in hardware. Uh, if you do it in hardware, then you have dedicated chips on the phone that actually does the, the well, that is dedicated to, to do the video coding. And that uh, typically give, gives you a lot more, well, it gives you a lot more computing power and, and the focus computing power to do a lot better uh, video, video compression at sort of a given time. Uh, so that's a sort of a key feature then. And then the, the reason why, Apple's FaceTime has been, or is typically better than third-party party devices, is that is specifically that difference that Apple have access to uh, these hardware-accelerated API or hardware-accelerated codecs that are in the platform, uh, whereas third-party developers need to do basically the voice and, and video in, in software. Uh, and uh, even if modern smartphones are, are, I mean, pretty capable devices, uh, uh, high quality video is, is actually still super tough on, on the CPU. Um, so there has been a, a um, uh, basically a something called video to video toolbox, uh, an API on on uh, on uh, OS X that has been sort of have making that uh, real time this video coding uh, accessible to developers. And as of iOS eight, uh, Apple actually released that. Uh, on some devices, the newer devices, that API is now public. So um, after jumping through a few hoops and, and, and getting that to work and, and with some excellent support by the GStreamer community, uh, we can now have, uh, we can now do H.264 video with that uh, video toolbox API uh, in, in, uh, in every app that runs uh, on top of OpenWebRTC now. So that's, I mean, the, that allows us to do the same kind of video quality. And, and, you know, it's not only video quality that you, you gain, but you also save a lot of battery because, uh, you know, 
hammering the CPU on a mobile device doing like 720p video is, is killing the battery quite fast. So yep. uh, that um, I guess everyone is aware of. So that's uh, quite exciting news. Though. And, and the, the cool thing about this is that you can, you can pretty much do it and still be interoperable with, with WebRTC browsers that implement H.264 them. Uh, so we um, uh, we recently uh, showed we were in Paris where we actually met Matthew for the first time and we were showing Bowser with real time uh, with uh, with H.264 video towards uh, standard uh, Firefox browser then, which uh, since they implement uh, H.264 and you can see that the, the video quality is qu quite a lot improved and, and it's well lower latency and a lot of improvements. So. What would you say about uh, Apple's motivation in suddenly making things a little bit easier? I, I assume that's to try to get a, some wave of apps that are doing uh, exciting, sexy things, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really, I'm not one of those who believe that Apple is, is sort of preventing third-party developers from getting access to better APIs uh, for their own purposes, uh, stuff like that. I generally think that they try to make as much as possible uh, available in sense. I mean, providing these kind of powerful APIs is definitely something that third-party developers will sort of jump on and, and make um, even better applications on their platform, which I guess is more important to them, I think, than, than sticking to keeping them by themselves. So. Right. I, I have the impression they don't make it that easy. Um, the uh, Of course, Google's not doing too bad a job of uh, pissing people off in their app store, too. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not easy. I don't, I, I'm kind of being smart here, snarky. Uh, it's not actually easy to run an app store because if you let everything go by, it gets ridiculous on a number of levels. Forget about the politically correct or the, you know, indecent, uh, so on. But even just technically, as you mentioned, things like battery, uh, one assumes that uh, in both cases the platform gatekeepers uh, do have a job of trying to make things so that you don't completely, uh, you know, use the battery up in five minutes and so on. Sure. Skype notably is, I think it's got one of the worst reputations. I guess they've kind of corrected that recently, but they were horrible. Matthew, you were going to... Jump in, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple of questions, actually. Um, one of which was uh, whether um, Bowser has actually got the H.264 hardware acceleration in there yet, or um, has it yet uh, hit the app stores? Uh, we actually submitted it, uh, I think, two days ago. So, okay, uh, so another it's on its way, I hope. Apple to do that thing. Yeah. That would be very, very cool. Um, and also, in terms of what um, James was implying from his um, dangerous drive, um, through the countryside, that um, the uh, compatibility is an issue. Um, uh, I'm actually here with um, Dave, who uh, did a cameo um, uh, earlier, who's um, the guy on uh, the Matrix team who's been hacking on OpenWebRTC, adding in WebRTC or OpenWebRTC support to the Matrix code base. And I guess you did most of the work for that back in November? Yeah, yeah, that then. Uh, when was OpenWebRTC released? Beginning of October. Okay, so we're a couple of weeks um, off the um, um, start of that. I mean, I guess you can say firsthand how painful or otherwise it was back in um, um, in November to go and do the initial work needed. And I know that we had some problems with the JavaScript um, loading semantics. Was that an Angular thing? Yeah, um, one of the interesting things was that because uh, the implementation in Safari is injected using a script, um, 
you don't always have a WebRT, the WebRTC objects in the DOM from the start when you load the page, which you would with Chrome because it's built into the browser. Uh, yeah. So our app certainly was uh, was assuming that they would be there and and therefore was not detecting it correctly. But yeah, there's uh, it's just those kind of things. It's basically very very easy. Yeah, it? it's basically a hack that that the whole thing. I mean, we uh, what you're talking about is something that we haven't said here now. That's that. Uh, similarly, as we can add WebRTC to to uh, the standard web view in iOS, we can also inject WebRTC uh, support into Safari on on uh, Mac. Mm. Basically, having a daemon running in the background and, and injecting a, a little bit of JavaScript into a, every page load that sort of communicates with this WebRTC daemon. So that's uh, just to clarify what you were saying. But in terms of the amount of work involved, it was what, a couple of hours, or possibly a bit um, more, to fiddle around or learn, learn the differences and get it up and running. And things have moved on a lot since then. Or yeah. is that another statement? Well, I think uh, <laughs> at the time it was probably a couple of afternoons, something like that. But yeah, hopefully it's. I know it's got a lot better actually because I, I fed that. I was feeding back, giving feedback to the guys um, on the in food bug reports um, of places where it didn't work. So hopefully it's, it's got a lot better. Yes. So the reason I also grabbed Dave in here is because we might um, have some interesting news on the uh, integration side here, and I thought that we were blocked on some last issues to do with turn or something like that. There is one outstanding turn bug um, that's, that we're uh, I'm quite the, the behavior that it's um, like with our turn server um, that we've got running on our, on our matrix instance. Um, but I just did a test call from um, my desktop to my desktop, um, Firefox to Safari, and on the, on Matrix, our, our app, and it works. So this is pretty cool. If the yeah. um, default Matrix um, web client is actually using um, OpenWebRTC and interoperating, it shows that um, TrueFone are clearly behind the curve that TrueCode hasn't um, been updated to um, support Bowser, and it is possible, and uh, it does work. I hope I hope James hear this then. <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing. Yeah, you're just making trouble now, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Almost in an affectionate way. Um, I'm trying to actually get it up and running on the 6 Plus. It turns out rather embarrassingly the, the reason we haven't seen this working on the Matrix mobile web client on the 6 Plus is because of our CSS hiding the um, WebRTC <laughs> UI on right. the um, <clears throat> adaptive um, CSS stuff. But I've just done a hotfix to matrix.org. So it's possible that if anybody uh, oh, right. is on Matrix, they might actually be able to use this to place a call. I guess we could try a properly dangerous demo and try to... Uh, <laughs> we can try it with me, because I've got the, uh, the Matrix client here, if I run it up. OK, so I'm bouncing. We now have your visa number as well, James. Hey, thanks. This can possibly go wrong. Um, <laughs> So uh, I'm just trying to think. I've got to sign into the Matrix, though, haven't I? Yeah. Um, no, from Bowser. Or from where? I sign into That's what we do, so Dave and I see if we can get it working locally and have a, a, a quick mess uh, around and hand the microphone back to Stefan rather than hijacking this with us one people the Matrix. But we might be able to have something cool um, to play with and possibly do a Sweden to England link up, and that'd be um, amazing. Clearly not related to what we're doing with Hangouts right now. Maybe we can come back to that as well, Matthew, to talk a little bit about what you and I have been discussing to do a native client as well for integrating in that. He's nodding with his yeah. microphone muted. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, so I guess uh, we have a problem on Matrix that um, whilst the web um, reference client has got uh, WebRTC built in, both with the Google library and the Open WebRTC um, support now, um, on mobile, we haven't historically had any VoIP at all. We've been focusing just on open federated instant messaging and chat rooms. And um, this is uh, uh, what Stefan and I were discussing, actually, in the WebRTC conference in Paris. And basically, next up on our roadmap, and I guess it's going to be you working on this again, Dave, um, is going and adding. Oh, exciting. Um, That's a problem. Yeah. Well, we all do <laughs> at one time or another. Yeah. Not sure what's going on with that one, James? Well, it's um, probably good. Yeah, I was trying to connect to our matrix server, which, of course, you haven't updated yet. Ah, yeah, that would be it. <laughs> that would be it, then, wouldn't it? Sorry about that. Uh, but matrix.org is updated and should be running now. But either way, um, yeah, the idea of adding OpenWebRTC as the default um, VoIP implementation on iOS on um, mobile is uh, basically the plan of action. And we hope to be um, looking at that from both our side and, I guess, on the OpenWebRTC side in the next couple of weeks, which could be very, very cool to have a completely open um, fully functional Hangouts parity um, chat room implementation with the VoIP uh, running off um, OpenWebRTC. Absolutely. Okay. Would you? Um, this is up to you now, Stefan. But if you want, uh, Michael was saying he's got some slides ready. Um, you don't have to do that, but you they're they're there if you want to move to that. Up to you. I think we've, we've been discussing that, uh, most of them. Uh, uh, or, I mean, the contents of the slide has been, uh, we've been talking about most of them, trying to remember what, what's in the slide. But, uh, uh, uh -huh. Well, I, I mean, this, what, what is there is that, I mean, the code open license. Uh, anyone can, can take it and pretty much build whatever they want. Uh, there's a BST2 license. Uh, we try to be as open as possible and try and, uh, to try to be as active as possible now. And, and I mean, our our main ambition now is basically to I mean uh, to to get developers ex uh, interested in this. Uh, we under I mean we are a fairly new project. Uh, we are very uh, sort of uh, uh, we know, we know that the m most people have been using uh, the Google implementation for quite a long while, and that is I mean sta rather stable implementation that is well really really useful. So we have some. Uh, we have a lot of work to do to, to sort of uh, to convince people to to uh, to use uh, our implementation instead, or to try that out. Um, I think we have some uh, we have some uh, Google has a lot of you know, advantages. Uh, we have some advantages, especially on the mobile side, where we, I mean, our implementation has been basically built from the day one to incorporate or to to, to run on on every mobile platform. Uh, so it's sort of um, uh, that's I think that's the, the the key differentiator that we have that we have great mobile support. And actually, Michael is running through the slides, and I put him on the center of the recording so that actually, you know, when people are watching this later, they're able to see the slides. Yeah, I see. Uh, which you know, even if it's random, you they do look good, and you can see what was in the content of that. So cool. there's nothing. So it's showing the uh, the Bowser slide now, and then uh, right. the Bowser is. Uh, uh, while we were developing this OpenWebRTC framework internally, uh, we decided to release this Bowser browser uh, because there was no, at the time, I think it was in uh, mid of uh, 2012, uh, there were no 
mobile browsers with WebRTC support. So we wanted to make that available for, to, for developers to start try out, basically. Um, so we released, uh, we released the browser uh, as a downloadable application, both on the iOS App Store and, and Google Play. Uh, for developers to try out, basically, and then uh, from day one, people started asking, "Ah, oh, can't we get the? We want the code. Uh, where's the code? Can we get that?" <laughs> uh, and um, at the time, we weren't really uh, ready to to to, uh, to release the code, but after a while, we uh, yeah, we eventually did that. We we also released Bowser as open source, and we also decided to uh, well continue publishing. Uh, Bowser on the App Store, so that it will be basically a well community-developed browser. But we from Ericsson is still sort of you know pushing it up to the App Store and making making snapshots when there's new interesting features being added to OpenWebRTC, for example. Then we make uh, make new versions of Bowser available. But as I said in the beginning, I mean, I mean I think Bowser is sort of the probably a little bit more web, well known than OpenWebRTC because it's been around for a while. Uh, and it's a little bit easier to understand what it is. But from our point of view, Bowser is really much, I mean, it's, it's just a uh, gateway drug or something like that into uh, starting to uh, use OpenWebRTC. So it's really, I mean, a not we're not uh, looking to compete with, with, uh, with other mobile browsers, and that's not the point of it. Tell us about the, uh, the build of Bowser that you were running on Raspberry Pi. That's interesting. Yeah, that was quite fun. Uh, we had a hackathon internally um, a couple of, uh, know, like two months ago, something like that. Uh, and one of the guys in our team uh, decided to try to get uh, OpenWebRTC to run on, on the Raspberry Pi. And, and uh, uh, again, now we're sort of leaning on the, uh, uh, the GStreamer community because GStreamer has been, ha have had pretty great support for, for the Raspberry Pi for quite a long time. And then, uh, so it wasn't actually. I mean, uh, it wasn't actually that much work to get to get the OpenWebRTC to run as well, because the majority of the code is already running on on, on GStream. So, so we, we got that to work, and then um, uh, basically in Paris um, before Christmas, we were able to show uh, this running uh, on on the on small Raspberry Pi with live video feed. Uh, uh, towards a WebRTC capable browser, which is, uh, I'm not sure if it's the world's first, but at least it should be one of the first, uh, one of the first times that anyone has gotten WebRTC drawn on, on a Raspberry Pi. So that's, uh, it's quite, it's quite fun. And I think that the developer community was quite excited about that. I mean, there's a lot of people who are, there's a lot of developers who are really keen on the, that platform because it's, a. Uh, I think it was Rob who said that it's a it's a small device that is is powerful in the in the right places. I think that's a good description of the of the Raspberry Pi. And it's cheap. And it's super <laughs> cheap, exactly. So that's uh, <laughs> quite cool that you can get real time communication running on on, a, on such a cheap hardware, and pretty great uh, support of uh, that. Yeah, I think I might give that a whiz just for the sheer dev devilment of it. Mm -hmm. See whether I can get uh, OpenWebRTC running on the uh, on Raspberry Pi. Yeah, send us an email then, and we'll we'll provide you with the with the with the branch because it's not uh, it's not officially supported yet in in the in the okay. project. We can hook you up. 
James, you are actually coming in quite well for that last intervention. Uh, you still in the same? Am I? Yes. Beautiful. Amazingly, well, I'm on. I'm on EE 3G, having tried various oh. BT uh, open zone things and, and three. So my last resort was EE, and that seems to be working a little Isn't bit better it? at the moment. Yes, yeah, incredible. It's actually beautiful. Amazing. So you're saying that the mobile network is uh, functioning better than Wi-Fi networks? <laughs> oh, you were, on, <laughs> you, were on, you were on Wi-Fi before, not LTE? Yeah, I was on, I was on Wi-Fi. And Oops. as you can see, I'm in the, the middle of um, Tisbury on the Dorset Wiltshire border, waiting for my son to come. Look, you can see the fish and chip shop over there. <laughs> what a great, haven't you been in there for the fish and chips yet? No, because I'm listening to the interesting stuff here on the VUC, and it wouldn't be wouldn't be right to be sitting here eating fish and chips whilst you're discussing Open Web RTC, would it? Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I think you're making uh, you're making Rob homesick now. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so we've been on to uh, fish and chips, Dave and I've been trying to um, get the, this up and running um, between the iPad Mini and uh, Six Plus. And the good news is that all of the WebRTC setup stuff and dependency injection, even on mobile, was all working wonderfully in Bowser. But I think we are hitting the turn bug, um, Stefan, that uh, we discussed the other day still, even yeah. between two devices on the same network. So whilst it was working okay on Dave's local box going Firefox um, to Bowser, it seems that Bowser to Bowser um, is still having some issues there. Um, I'm sure we can sort it out. I think it was your specific, uh, the code turn server that uh, that we haven't hadn't tried with yet, and, and we know that you know this turnserver.org or uh, the the other typical, uh, well, the popular turn server open source that that works. Uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so you know, no crazy dangerous demos um, today for uh, our turn server, but um, it'll be great to play with it um, once um, the, that issue is fixed. Uh, well, while you're on that slide, I think I can say something interesting about that. Um, obviously, you see uh, in, in the slide, those of you who see that um, there's a an image of two two devices. One is the um, uh, Google Glass, which we had a, a pretty pretty good thesis project uh, where one guy got OpenWebRTC to run on a pair of Google Glass, and we had a pretty interesting um, use case where. Uh, the the person wearing the glass is basically was a field engineer out in the field, uh, and uh, b with by sending the real time video feed up to an expert sitting in some kind of call center, they could collaboratively sort of uh, help each other to to solve the problem of the of the field technician. Uh, so that's just one sort of an interesting use of this kind of technology when you can run it on 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 different kind of devices, not just desktop. Uh, yeah, I'm very topical. Very topical and timely with the announcement that Google are discontinuing Google Glass. Are they? <laughs> you know yeah. what? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I, have to, I have to interrupt for a second because um, this is the first time this has ever happened. We seem to be plagued by problems today. One of my machines just froze, and it happens to be the one that's sending all the audio to ZipDX and to um, to the VUC audio. I can reboot that. We can continue the Hangout, and, of course, it's going to be... Um, recorded on uh, YouTube, so it's not a huge problem, except that people are not hearing anything. So if somebody could go over to ZipDX and tell them that we'll be rebooting and trying to get back on, that would be nice, Andy or whoever. And uh, gentlemen, sorry to interrupt. I will have to be away for a moment to reboot uh, this thing. 
I, this has never happened. We've done 524 of these, and this is the first time this is. It's <laughs> <laughs> back up, Randy. It is. is it because of the ma uh, the, the oh, mass massive pressure you're getting from the from people connecting. Yeah, I mean, there's so many people this. watching. We just Must be. we yeah. just went to 14 viewers, 15 now. Uh, but this is a Mac Mini from about six years ago that's doing that part of work, so it's not that surprising. Anyway, I will be back, but everybody just keep running the way you are, and we're being recorded on YouTube anyway. I hope. <laughs> uh, James is going to take over? No. So, uh, Stefan, uh, continue, or... Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, that was interesting news about uh, Google Glass, but uh, that's... Uh, yeah, there's a I think something similar. Something similar will be most likely be coming out. And I think they, well, they claim they're they claim that they're going to be having new stuff that's unimaginable coming out soon. But the 19th, okay. the last day that you can go pay fifteen hundred dollars for a prototype that will be right. discontinued immediately. So I'm not sure who's going to do that, but that's a lemming kind of thing to me. Right. Well, I'm that um, also Tony Fadell from Nest and the iPod fame um, has been put in charge of the whole Glass division. So it sounds like it's a fairly major reorganization, and who knows what decision, it, whose decision it was to put Glass on hold for now. But it's certainly not backing away from the wearables market. It's just more um, merging it in or re restructuring, I guess. Yeah, can I dive in? I've, I've got to go and be taxi cab driver now. Now that. The boy has arrived, um, so uh, I'm going to drop out. If you're still going when I arrive home, I'll rejoin you. If not, uh, catch you later. Yeah, nice talking to you, James. So the other, uh, the other project, the interesting project, where on the slide where we have how we have been using OpenWebRTC ourselves, it was a picture of a. A toy excavator. This was something that we showed at the Mobile World Congress, uh, which is the well, the big mobile fair in Barcelona every start of the year. Um, so what we did there is that we had a uh, we, uh, our team was uh, tasked with coming up with interesting use cases for uh, for this 5G technology that we're we have started developing in the industry right now. Uh, so and then what you have will have in 5G is basically a super low latency um, and a massive uh, throughput. And so we thought that uh, remote controlling of a vehicle could be something uh, quite interesting to to uh, uh, explore uh, for the for that with that technology and to show what you can do with. It. So what we did is we 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 uh, gutted one of the a toy excavator a digger and and put in a little small iPhone in in the uh, in the driver's seat there. Uh, uh, and sending the video a video feed a 360 degree video feed over to the um, uh, to a Mac application connected to a pair of Oculus Rift uh, glasses, uh, uh, virtual reality glasses. So you can the idea was to that you can uh, and then basically get a feeling for sitting inside the digger uh, and controlling it via a small remote controller. So that was. Um, uh, quite an appreciated demo, and, and uh, another another way of using communication technology in a in a different a different manner. Well, what sort of frame rate did you get um, out of the um, uh, uh, connection there, out of interest? Um, we were running at I think uh, twenty five frames per second or something like that. Uh, I think it was twenty because we were using software encoding. Okay, and that was as much as the the iPhone 5s could manage at the time. 
Yeah, but, uh, so I, I've never uh, got a chance to play with this, um, which is very upsetting because it looks really cool. But did you have um, a were you using the full head mount display so you could actually look around, or was it just showing the actual field of view? The, the no, was, uh, we had uh, we found on Kickstarter a small project that uh, did this uh, 360 lens lens that you um, that you can mount on a, on an iPhone 5s. Uh, so we were actually sending sending the video feed a 360 degree video feed all the time uh, over to the to the uh, to the Oculus, and then we were using, uh, I mean, basically taking that and and wrapping it out or or well, ma mapping it to the to the sphere in in the Oculus, so you could sit and, and look around and even look behind you uh, at all times well, with, so with with zero lag. The full head mount and support. Uh, so, what resolution do you need then to get the full 360 degree two pi steradians or four pi steradians, whatever it is, um, solid angle <laughs> of everything? Probably you want to jump in and answer. I can. Uh, well, in so last year in Barcelona with with the demo that uh, Stefan's talking about um, with the iPhone. Uh, we could only encode up to I think it was 1024 square, yeah. um, and the I mean the quality wasn't so great, but it showed the idea. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to get really good quality, then I think I think you need something like 16 megapixels. But the problem the problem with there's also a bit of a problem with these lenses, and it. Getting a 3D, uh, sorry, a 360-degree view is a, a pretty hard problem to solve because you either use multiple cameras and then you get problems with stitching the different views together um, because some objects are closer to the camera than others, and it, when you overlap them, it doesn't really work so well. Um, or, or you get problems with these this lens type thing that we we used in the demo, where uh, you have less resolution in the middle of this sort of donut shape. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get low. I mean, you have to. You make. You, you're all at any point. You're just looking at like 30% of the video uh, or something like that. So you're spending a lot of video pixels on sort of the, uh, sending that full 360 image, and then you're just looking at some just a small part of that and putting that up into the Oculus Rift. Yeah, I guess you can't. You can't really do it so that um, you have like a camera that turns when you're moving your head with the Oculus because it would be too much latency between you moving your head and the video updating. Yeah, although presumably you could do some kind of real-time negotiation on that, and this could be something that OpenWebRTC has a huge advantage over um, the Google, the GIPS um, code base in terms of having a support for a back channel of an arbitrary RTCP stream or something that says at least what half of the image you're looking at because in practice, it takes me, what, uh, 100 milliseconds to turn my head through 180 degrees, less mm -hmm. if I want to break my neck at the same time. <laughs> That's But uh, even, I mean, the, the, latency the latency requirement is super, super tough, because you get nauseous if there's just a little bit of lag in that turning of the video. If the, the, if the image doesn't follow, you get oh, yeah. nauseous yeah, directly. Sure. So you still will probably vomit uh, before you, you have turned your head. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not talking about the feedback time on the Rift itself, but if you were negotiating with the broadcaster um, source, um, say which half of the field of view to show, am I looking forwards or am I looking backwards, um, then you might have enough time to select the correct field of view, possibly, if you're physically close to the source and don't have very much data buffering. 
But then if you look to the side, you need both. Yeah, so I guess <laughs> interesting the sort of field of view. It might it's be hard optimization. Anyway. Yeah, but increasing the the resolution uh, of the camera helps helps a lot. But uh, yeah, at some point the, the, the new. So oh, there's back. been a uh, there's been a um, a company that does head tracking for this sort of thing with the Oculus Rift. It will uh, actually rotate the acoustic field so that you get your oral perspective changing in sync with the visual perspective. And this was uh, just demonstrated at CES a week or two ago. And it can be done, it can tie in nicely because you can do it using an arbitrary number of audio channels over Opus. I think you can do it binaurally to start with, but. Wow, cool. that's very cool. So is that using um, a phased array of microphones, or is that a shotgun microphone on a motor, which you're literally turreting around like the um, uh, digger hit? No, it's um, it's not so much a phased array. The, the stuff that I've seen tends to use, um, or heard, uh, tends to use um, sound field type recordings. So they're um, a recording that's sort of, uh, usually it's it can be Two, but it's more typically four channels that are um, mathematically related. So they're um, usually a tetrahedral microphone involved, so four microphone capsules. Um, and you can do some phase math betwixt the signals to derive any, any particular arbitrary direction. So you now have a, a four-channel recording from which you can extract, after the fact, arbitrary directionality, and then convey that down a two-channel path which means from a production point of view, you can have a game and you can have the entire environment of the game recorded, but play back the activity of the player within the game, uh, tracking their head movement with the Oculus Rift. So, um, and the WebRTC part is just sort of how you would link that back to the Oculus Rift. Thanks, very good. I think uh, Ron might have something, something interesting to show you. We we have a, a lampshade here with a bunch of microphones in it because <laughs> we we're, we're working on similar things. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like a, a kind of a hacked together version of uh, the Nimbus uh, ambisonic microphone from the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. You should look at it. You should look at a core sound Tetra mic. It would it would make it a little more um, portable. A tiny little <laughs> microphone with uh, with four capsules on it. Thanks for the tip. And actually cheaper yeah. than buying all those microphones. Yeah, probably they were not so cheap. Yeah, so those are things. I mean, uh, we're the, we're obviously we have been doing like you know standard WebRTC stuff and and, and video conferencing uh, related use cases and stuff like that. But uh, part of my team has been working on WebRTC, and then uh, we have also done a lot of work on things like how. How will we actually use this technology? And more practical things, and building different kind of applications, and seeing how communication technology can be used for sort of new, integrated into different contexts and used in different environments. And that's sort of where these kind of prototypes come from. And having this digger example is also another another interesting. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a good way of pushing the limits of what you can do with this framework as well, because you have to have super low latency and very good quality video in order to, uh, to get something useful out of it. So it's a good, it's a good uh, 
driver for for uh, for the framework in general. I was just thinking a bit more about the whole um, head tracking issue for the Digger um, use case. Um, obviously, well, there's the dodgy optimization of looking at the front and back and negotiating which field of view you're meant to look at. But don't you also have a vomit problem or a nausea problem, I should say, with the lateral head movement? Because when people are looking at things with an Oculus Rift on, they're constantly laterally moving their head left and right, back and forth. And obviously, that's the big thing in the DK2 um, development kit that you actually have, yep, you have your nice <laughs> infrared webcam that you mount um, on your uh, PC, uh, which looks at the infrared LEDs on the front of the headband display, and so it detects uh, where the laterality is, which is fine if you're looking at a virtual environment because you can re-render the offsets of all of the geometry so everything looks completely right. But surely you have a huge problem if you have a single locked down 360-degree camera, which you can't physically move to match the lateral head movements on the on the Oculus, so um, yeah, how do you how do you fix that? You fake it. <laughs> <laughs> you basically move within the sphere. Okay. Um, but I mean, you're getting uh, in in the maybe we shouldn't drill down too much in the digger example, but I mean the uh, uh, sorry. We I think we will have a reason to come back to that again because we have uh, we, we may have some interesting things to show around that uh, in in the near future. But uh, trying to be vague now, but geez, um, <laughs> MWC anyway. coming up again. What time of year is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the beginning of the year. All right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so but you would want to, I mean, especially when you're digging things, things something, it's crucial to sort of get a depth uh, feeling, and then that you don't really get if you have a 360 degree. So you would want, ideally, you would want to have like a, at least um, a 3D video or something like that, or two, two, two separate video tracks representing the different eyes to get sort of the depth uh, if you want to do this for real. But uh, at the moment, this is still just a, a concept or prototype, basically. So I guess something that we haven't spoken about, unless I missed it earlier, was um, the data channel support in OpenWebRTC and sort of what other big things there are on the roadmap and whether there are particular places you're going to be pushing and forging ahead past um, Google and, and their sort of Hangout-centric use cases. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, um, I'm happy to announce that we are. I mean, the, the, the data channel support will be landing pretty soon. I think it's a matter of, uh, of weeks rather than months, or it is actually around. Uh, our ambition is to have it out before the end of, of uh, January, even. So uh, it's um, uh, it's getting there. Um, it has been one of the I I would say one of the more most requested features uh, in in uh, in OpenWebRTC from the get get go, and it seems especially interesting for iOS developers. They are very loud and, and interested in this. Uh, so I guess people have a lot of cool ideas about how to use this peer to peer data uh, communication between devices and stuff like that. I can only imagine. So that we're really happy to get that out soon. Um, and um, uh, I was looking at the chat. Yeah, other than that, I think our, our near-term focus will be on, uh, on, on really providing a, a solid, great sort of uh, uh, native client um, SDK or have something like that. I mean, native example applications to show how to, to sort of integrate uh, open web to see into your application and, and uh, that is I think crucial for us now and go getting that great support on both Android and iOS and, and to to be able to really take take use the full 
sort of the full power of the platform. Uh, I mean, including things like the H.264 video, hardware accelerated video, and stuff like that, uh, will really shine on on, on, the, on native uh, implementations. So, should we expect to see OpenWebRTC stuff popping up in the mainstream Ericsson? Um, portfolio and sort of big iron Ericsson apps, or is this going to be um, the more kept as a community-facing thought leadership exercise in Ericsson research? Uh, I mean, it started off as an uh, as as a letter. I mean, obviously, but uh, um, I mean, Ericsson is not. Uh, we are not really. Uh, we are providing the, the sort of the core technologies, and we obviously have the uh, open. People can can build a. WebRTC-enabled client using our framework and connect to our WebRTC-enabled backend, of course. Uh, but it, it's not uh, so something that we mandate that they use Ericsson technology all the way. Uh, it's not. Uh, I mean, that's a difference from uh, you know uh, other like proprietary uh, client, uh, well, communication provider which provide a client SDK and a proprietary uh, sort of server backend and ties people into their platform in that way. Uh, we, are, we have taken a different approach where we basically say the only tie-in that you do is to the WebRTC standard, and as long as you, you adhere to the standard, then you can basically use Chrome browser or browser and connect to our backend, or you can build a uh, WebRTC client using our framework that connects to someone else's backend. Uh, and um, uh, basically, that we think that's the, ultimately the best way for the, so the ecosystem to grow, that there are different people can provide different parts of the, of the full chain. And obviously, now we have sort of a, uh, a toolbox for building complete end-to-end -end solutions uh, using pure Ericsson technology, but uh, that is only one, one track out of many, I would say. Of course. Uh, I guess another question I had was, if you're going and building a, um, a compatible alternative stack like this, obviously, compatibility is a huge thing. Absolutely. And looking at the sort of full WebRTC stack, You've got to make sure that your um, bitrate negotiation is compatible with the algorithms that Gibbs are using, that um, all the timber stuff and uh, whatever other exotic extensions are on nowadays um, for doing the, both the error correction and the error concealment and the bitrate, all of that actually lines up. I mean, do you have a test suite for doing this? Are you doing it manually? Is it unit tested? But what sort of methodologies are you using? I mean, we are. Uh, that's one of the things that we are lacking a little bit. I mean, in terms of you know testing, providing a good testing framework, and something we will be using, uh, something we will be working on on during this year. Um, uh, we haven't had time to to get that out yet, but that's something we're working on. And as you said, interoperability is 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 core. It's, a, it's one of the key features. I mean, we. Uh, it's 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 the one of the reasons why we do this. But it's also an interesting thing to. It's also another interesting vehicle to, to, to flush out sort of any problems in the standard specifications because if there are, if we make our reference implementation uh, and it doesn't, and Google uh, or anyone else uh, makes other assumptions based on reading the standards, etc., uh, then there's obviously a problem in the standard and, and, and that's a way, that's sort of an opportunity for us to clarify the standard in order for it to sort of mature in the end. So. Uh, interoperability is both something we have to have, we have to have it, but I mean it should not come at, come at the expense of sort of diverging from the WebRTC standard. I think that's sort of our uh, main track. Cool. I mean the reason I ask is that um, we haven't seen any interoperability problems uh, at all from 
uh, on the actual WebRTC, SRTP, and RTCP um, side of things. I mean, it's all been more just the getting the JavaScript API mismatches sorted out and right. that sort of thing. And I guess that GStreamer has got a certain level of uh, <laughs> kudos um, for providing the, the media stat that's working there, but it's uh, I'd say it's a better experience than getting Firefox and Chrome to work um, a while back, and they were using the same stack and the same right. uh, media stack. So um, it's yeah, but they were they were also. I mean, it's uh, things are maturing, right? I mean, so it's becoming easier to be interoperable with 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 Google's implementation and, and with with Firefox as well. So as they are maturing as well. So. Cool. I seem to have taken over the interview here. Uh, you're still alive <laughs> out there, Randy. Michael. <laughs> yep. Fantastic. I did Take have another question, here. too, because I completely blanked on what it was, which was a shame. It was something to do with the interoperability um, side of things. I guess um, it goes back to the roadmap question as to whether there are particular areas where um, that you can announce where you're really focusing to do a better job than Google. Because Google obviously have a very, very specific use case of making Hangouts as good as they can, and everything else seems to be a little bit peripheral to that. Um, obviously, they support the community and all, but yeah. they've got their products. I mean, is there a particular... I would say, I mean, specifically, I mean, as you said, Google Google's code was uh, the, the prime intent of it was to, in order for integrated into browsers. I mean, that's the sort of the uh, the main the main reason for for uh, for, for releasing it. Uh, and uh, the the support for as the, most of the code is written in, in C and C plus plus. You can obviously build it on 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 uh, most mobile devices as well, and that is. Uh, um, that, uh, from what we can understand, hasn't been their focus, at least at, uh, at Google, to provide sort of an easy way for developers to add WebRTC into native clients. Their focus seems to be a lot on, on getting the uh, uh, good supporting Chrome and, and, and other browsers, uh, primarily. So that's, uh, I think that's, that's, that's where we have uh, something to offer. Uh, and I think that's where also, uh, from our point of view, that's why we started developing this framework, basically, because we thought that yeah, mobile will be super important and increasingly important on, on uh, as, as sort of a platform for real-time communication in the future, and, and that's uh, uh, that's where we'll we will continue to focus on the mobile aspects. Yes, yeah, I guess that would be the obvious <laughs> niche. And <laughs> I think about it. it. Is, I, yeah. I remembered my amazing question, which is okay. obviously geeky and not probably interesting to anybody other than me, but I'll go for it anyway. What echo cancellation are you using? Rob, do you want to answer that? Or? Yeah. Um, so right now, I don't think there's any echo cancellation enabled, but there are APIs on uh, OS X and iOS and Android. Um, and there is something in Linux that we have played about with internally. Um, yeah, basically there are echo cancellation uh, modules available on all, all the platforms that we support. Um, currently, we don't have any echo cancellation, but it's something that we're obviously very interested in, in mm -hmm. getting implemented and working. Yeah, I mean, Core Audio does a great job on iOS and OS X, but I guess it's Android where it's a lot more of a, um, a crapshoot on <laughs> if you're going to get any hardware um, noise reduction or echo cancellation. And I mean, on the media stack that we've built um, in-house on our commercial side of things, because we've got a WebRTC compatible stack, which um, we may or may not be able to open source someday, mm -hmm. um, we 
uh, I started off with speaks um, for echo cancellation, like pretty much everybody um, out there, which is terribly dubious quality nowadays. Um, but I ended up ironically switching over to the Google um, uh, WebRTC echo can code base, which um, the team there seemed to have put a lot of work into, and I, it seems to have been rewritten several times in the last six months or so, and it's really very good. But uh, I guess it's an amusing philosophical problem for you guys. Uh, I think, I wouldn't, uh, I mean, the reason for not doing, uh, using the Google code base for it primarily is, uh, is that, uh, well, we obviously choose another track with GStreamer, but there's, uh, the reason why we don't want to use it is we, we want to make sure that there are, that the implementations are truly interoperable or independent in terms of the WebRTC stuff. But such, such things as echo cancellation is not really something that's defined by the standard. So uh, that would make it less of a sort of a problem for us to sort of take take that piece of software and integrate it into our uh, platform if you want to. I mean, that's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think that would be pretty much your only pragmatic um, solution because the speak stuff is ancient. And uh, as far as I know, the WebRTC one is the only good open source um, uh, solution. I should say the WebRTC.org one exactly. is the only Thank good. You. Thank you for clarifying that, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only good implementation um, uh, out there. But of course, as you say, the operating system and the hardware is um, getting along quite well now. And in an iOS and Apple community, thankfully, they have some really good audio engineers. Um, I just wish that some Android had the same. All right. So it's very good problem. Dependent on Android, I think the um, I've been discussing it with someone, and they suggested that the the APIs are okay for for doing it, but it's it's very hit and miss whether echo cancellation is even supported in the oh, yeah. API. Yes, so you've obviously got the Java audio layer, and you've also got the OpenSL um, libraries in there. And mm -hmm. on OpenSL, at least it's all a native code path. It's all C++, and it's relatively low latency. And yep, there is, I think, an API that is defined there to request the hardware record can. But it's a complete random chance as to whether your <laughs> random device on that particular firmware, on that particular model, is actually going to have it right. And it is a constant pain. Uh, it's, you know, it's taken years of our lives developing Android audio stacks in terms of selecting between the different microphones. You end up finding that you're capturing out of the noise cancellation microphone rather than the M3 <laughs> one versus the actual um, microphone one. Um, not to mention getting the echo cannabis. It's, it's a world of pain. Someday it might be fixed, but the fragmented nature of Android is such that uh, you often don't get there in the end. You said the F word, fragmentation. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, this is probably a good time. We're not in a hurry or anything, but uh, this is probably a good time to find out if there are any other questions. Um, we're, we're looking at, uh, those of you in the Hangout, you're seeing YouTube and how far it's about a minute behind. It's kind of funny. Uh, questions in uh, ZipDX or VUC.audio or the um, IRC. I'm looking there to see if there are any... There's talk, but no questions. Oh, and somebody just took a big screenshot. Okay, anybody? Questions? Isn't that funny to see the the not synced live audio of uh, a video? Robert McQueen, isn't that your old friend, Robert? Yep. Oh yeah, it's Robert McQueen of Collabora. Correct. Rob is actually. Um, uh, has been working for Collabora before before starting at Ericsson Research. I came no. from open source. 
So, as I was saying, if there are no questions, let me get this happening here. Okay. Uh, this has been a great pleasure, and we certainly would be happy to welcome you back anytime. I appreciate it. Um, thank you, Matthew, by the way, for suggesting this. This is an excellent suggestion, and I hope everybody got their money's worth since it's free. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I also want to thank Matthew. I mean, he was the one in, in Paris, and during the short minutes what we talked, he, he actually mentioned this VoIP user conference as something that we need. This is something you need to do. It's great. So um, uh, I asked him to to, to uh, help set it up, and he did. So I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that. And we, thanks, everyone. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for doing it. Thanks to all the community. We have a terrific community here. There are many hundreds of people who are really uh, the bleeding edge and making things move along like like everyone here right now, except Andy, because he's just kind of looking <laughs> nice and enjoying himself, but he's not actually doing anything. Thank you, everybody. We'll, we'll take it out with this little piece of music that thanks our sponsors, and um, everyone here tonight is, again, invited back when you're ready, anytime. You can look to vuc.me slash topics and choose a date from there, and that goes for anyone who has never been as well. Also, last word, coming to your world, May 27th, May 30th in Berlin. If anybody's going there, many of us will be there. So we look forward to seeing you. Bye-bye. Hey, that was the bleeding edge of the IP communications and VoIP community. We're at VUC.me on the web. Thanks to Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is provided by OnSIP.com. The site at VUC.me is on Bluehost.com. We use ZipDX.com for our wideband, full-featured conference bridge. And our local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Every Friday, 12 noon Eastern Time, see you next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.